deposit slip just sitting here. I don't know where that came from. Somebody, maybe somebody gave me some money I didn't know about. Could be, could be, could be one of the lucky ones. I could be one of the. Somebody actually gave me money. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I always end up holding on to my my receipts for a while. I don't Uh, know why. You're a hoarder. In a way, yes, but I'm always (laughs) afraid that uh, something I buy, I'm going to have to return, and I won't have the receipt. And they'll give me a hard time about it. Yeah. But I all I almost always never return anything. <laughs> no, yeah. Even if something's like a little bit fucked up, you're just like, eh, I don't really feel like it. Yeah, it's gotta be <laughs> serious. It's gotta be really defective. It's gotta be yeah. you know, cracked or broken in some way. Um usually stuff I buy, I especially if it's stuff I buy in person, yeah. I check and recheck and triple oh, check yeah. and quadruple check because as we're going to get into this episode, uh, the stuff we buy can be expensive and it can be, yeah, yeah. and it's also an expense in abundance because there's always a lot of it. And yeah. Yeah. You always have to make sure you're getting your money's worth with everything you buy in life. And it's not just movies. It's pretty much everything. You yeah. You never want to feel like you get screwed over. Yeah. I buy other things. I buy like, I buy some food every once in a while. I spend money on like, a little bit of like, you know, personal care, whether it be like going to the doctors or the, okay, I'm lying. I don't go to the doctors that often. Um, maybe like, uh, you know, a massage every once in a while, I'll do that, you know? I, I, yeah, I know it's still expensive. Um, welcome to the cinema discovery project. I, I know that was, you didn't want to maybe know anything about what we were just talking about, at least what I was talking about. But, um, uh, this is kind of going to be our first episode, kind of delving into something here, and uh, you know, every episode might be a little bit different. We might we might decide to go jump into a director or jump into a uh, you know an actor or you know go down a rabbit hole. Maybe we'll go into it, just talk about a genre for a little bit or something. But on this episode, me and my co-host Andrew Cabral, how you doing, Andrew? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Did you see anything uh, anything today? Did you watch anything today? Oh, have I watched anything today? I'm always watching. watching you were watching football. I know that's what you were doing. I, right I was before. watching football today, but in the wee hours of the morning, you know, I was watching, uh, you know, um, Jeremy Saunier's new film, Hold the Dark. Ooh, I did I too. Maybe that the other night. Yeah, we might talk um, about that later at, near the end of the episode, maybe or something. And then, yeah, and then I watched a a classic classic movie, Random Harvest. Mm. Direct, it came out in 1942, star uh, directed by uh, Mervyn Leroy, uh, starring Ronald Coleman and Greer Garson. Um, he, who, who two classic, classic. Well, I'm talking old. This is classic Hollywood, golden age Hollywood. You're gonna learn this really quickly. Andrew's really good at like remembering all these like people and classic. I I, I don't remember anybody, especially classic uh, stuff. You're, well, you're, it's it's a combination of constantly being on imdb or letterboxd or some other site where you're just constantly looking at the names so you don't forget it and plus I, I like all the minute details like that yeah. like the year a movie comes out or the people who star in it and all that kind of stuff and directors of course because that's all that's all important it's all part oh, of it the is tap- definitely. All, all part of the tapestry of cinema yeah i just wish i had the memory for it like i i, I maybe if i really tried like like i can remember a lot of this stuff but i just I got too much going on, man. I got too much going on. But let me lead us back into the episode here. Um, this episode, we decided we wanted to delve into something that's kind of important to us. You know, we're, we're both really big collectors um, of physical media. 
And we're also big advocates of going to the cinema. You know, we re really love going to the theater to, to experience film. But in today's world, uh, you know, a lot, the environment and how we, you know, take in film and, and is changing rapidly um, with things like Netflix, streaming services, you know, and also, you know, people moving to watching, you know, taking in a lot of their stuff through digital um, media is is kind of the way. And guys like us, uh, physical guy, media guys and guys that like to get out of the house and go to the theater to see movies is kind of we're kind of coming dinosaurs a little bit, ain't we? Like really quickly, like. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, we're going to get into it. It's it's, it's rapidly changing. The facet of, you know, the avenues of w in which we consume movies and TV and all that kind of stuff are rapidly changing and are evolving and are, and, and in a way, a lot of people like to stick to the old, the older ways. I mean, they're a lot more staunch, I guess you say traditionalists than we are. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, yeah there, there's worse people. There are people, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, it's more of a niche market, but there are people who like will, will only watch movies in the theater or there are some people who are so strict they'll only watch movies uh uh when they're projected on film not yeah. not the digital stuff that we see in pretty much every multiplex now um they're, they're so, gonna have a hard time finding anything on film <laughs> yeah but i mean like i guess they, they go to their local you know indie theater and watch movies there or whatever yeah it's I was I was fortunate enough to work in a theater that actually still showed movies on film right before everything had to turn to digital. So I I, I feel really I actually have some some old film re little reels of like pieces of movies and and some trailers and things like that. So that was pretty cool to be a part. I actually used to put the movies together whenever we would get them. They'd come in like four or five canisters depending on how long the movie was, and I would have to you know splice them together and you know spin them on the real thing real quick to to, to put them together. And that that's something I can't. I I, I, I I'm just I'm glad I was. Uh, able to be alive for that for that little bit that last um you know heartbeat of, of film being out there and then suddenly even my small theater in town had to turn digital um because they weren't going to start mass producing film anymore it's just i guess it's too expensive and just digital is the way to go and i guess where do you want to start off do you want to start off talking about physical media like home media or you want to talk about Going to the well, theater versus well, staying at home. Well, since we're on the topic of the theater, let's just yeah. let's stick with it just to keep a flow. Um, and I understand what Stephen is saying. I mean, when I was a kid, uh, going to the theater was, you know, a magical thing. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it was a big thing. It was something that was a uh, an event almost. I went quite a lot as a kid. My parents took me, uh, not every weekend, but on a lot of weekends. I saw a lot of movies growing up. Uh, in the 90s, I mean, my earliest memories of being in the theaters probably, oh man, I always say my first movie I saw in the theater, because the first one I remember is Tim Burton's Batman Returns. I yeah. always remember that, because I always remember we showed up late for that. We showed up uh, We showed up in the, if, for those of you who've seen the movie, the beginning of the movie, like, uh, there's a big, you know, like, uh, uh, like the, there's, a, there's a, a clown, like, like, attack or whatever on the city of yeah. Gotham. You know, things just go chaos. You know, it's Gotham. And and we always ended up, I always ended up walking, I walked in right around the part um, where I believe the Selena Kyle characters, you know, she's got the, the clown is grabbing her and Batman's talking to him. And then Batman shoots 
shoots the taser at him and stuff like that. Oh, it wasn't it was the battering or something like that? Mm-hmm. But that's the one of the earliest memories I have of going to the theaters, and it was always a big event. And what is interesting though is being a young kid, I I never I always knew proper theater etiquette, not even proper <laughs> theater etiquette. I always like I was always a quiet kid in general. So, you know, talking out loud in really loud voices, making scenes in public, especially at a movie theater, wasn't something I did as a kid. If you go to the theater now, you see that a lot. Um, and it's it's one of the negative aspects I, I have going to the theater now. We'll get into those later. But going to the, the cinema has always been a, a thing for me. I've always enjoyed going to it. And as I've gotten older, I, you know, I'm now able to go. Uh, more frequently by myself because you know as you get older you start making your own decisions oh so yes you stop doing you want to start doing the things you want to do and going no to i still i still ask them. permission i was like oh, my dad you? dad do we can we go to the movies today <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm with you man i mean i i think it's hard to kind of pinpoint my earliest memory of of going to the movies because it's such a jumble man but um you know i, I would say some of the earlier movies i saw you know like the first you know when episode one came out i remember episode one star wars you know it was like 1999 so i Mm -hmm. was about 10 years old um which i I know i obviously went to the theater before that but that's one of the big ones i remember definitely checking out uh, as a memory you know on my way to the theater getting excited for it um also them pokemon movies they came out with with some of the earlier ones that i remember too that they yeah. were the release and then they would give you the Pokemon card. You know, I was oh, of course goodness. like super excited about that. Oh, um, I saw I, the only one I saw in theater was the first one. Yeah, the Mewtwo Pokemon. with the Mewtwo card you would yeah. get. With the Mew yeah. and the Mewtwo. I never I never got the card. I'm kinda of pissed. Oh man. That, Sorry. that was around that was around the time when I started realizing that I and not that not that I was too old to go to the movie theater, but like I was older than all of the audience that's going to see that movie. I mean, that movie came yeah. out. I can't even remember 2000 around there. I was probably like 13 and there or much younger. Um, and it was, it was quite an experience. It booked my first movie, the Mewtwo movie, I think it was 1998. Okay. So I may have been like 11. Then. Yeah, so I, yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember that. And, and um, I remember that, but I mean, I went early on. Like I saw Jurassic Park in the theater and stuff like see, that. I, see, I probably I, see. I was when that came out. I was only a few years old. I might, my, I might have seen. I know. I remember when the second one came out, and I remember going to like I think it was Burger King or Wendy's and getting the. They had like the, um, the the mosquito inside the the amber the amber, and it was like a bouncy ball, and they was given it. They were giving it away in like a hat, whatever the meal was, and. Uh, yeah, I, I remember having that as a kid and I love that thing. I did. I, I I remember seeing all of, I mean, I saw, uh, after after I mentioned, I saw Batman Returns. I also saw Batman Forever, then Batman and Robin. Oh yeah. I mean, there was all kinds of like movie tie-in stuff. Now that Steven mentions it for, um, for basically marketed towards kids, whether it was action figures or happy meal toys or stuff like that they were there was always stuff marketed towards kids i remember for batman forever i think burger king had the cups or whatever um and what's weird is that every time a new movie would come out geared towards kids whether it was pretty much always disney the happy meal toys at mcdonald's would always like indicate it like they would always match up with it i don't know if they had some type of deal at the time or they were just oh yeah there's definitely merchandising deals going on Yeah. yeah 
I don't know if they were just piggybacking off of the the marketing or whatever, but I just always remember that. That was kind of a uh, an indicator of what movies were coming out at the time for kids. Oh yeah, um, that's how you would realize you as as kids not being able to be a you know not knowing everything. We you know we do go to the McDonald's a lot you know to get our food and the, yeah, what's there I, and the, you know. <laughs> I went there a lot as a kid. Yeah. Um, and, my, my mom's a manager at a McDonald's, uh, so so that's how I yeah, I was around it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I was a, I was a very picky eater as a kid, so there was only certain things I would like. So my parents would just you know give me what I liked, and so I could so I would eat. So it was very basic, you know, my McNuggets, and you know sure. I eventually graduated to the burgers and whatnot. But you know, as a kid, uh, but I remember going. It was it was you know, and of course movie theaters had food as well movie theater popcorn as a kid was always was always a, a thing um oh, initially i didn't like initially i didn't like butter uh i guess because oh, come it, on it now plain. but now now it, but, ever, but ever since i switched to butter when i was a kid it's now buttered popcorn but i was never a candy guy i was never i you never know, liked I'm, candy. I'm not really either man it gets stuck in your teeth it becomes too much of a distraction i mean the only thing with popcorn is sometimes if, I, if i'm getting too excited it gets caught in the throat and uh you know, and it, or if it's not made well and it gets all like it's all grit, like has all the little pieces of seeds and oh, stuff in it. Awful, that's man. awful. Yeah. Even um, now, that I, but now that I'm older, I'm even more pissed about it because, you know, it's expensive and I'm paying oh, yeah. for it. And I'm like, I did not pay eight dollars for this dry, terrible popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's and that's all part of the experience, guys. I mean, like and, and this is why we have an attachment to the theater experience. And it's not it's not just how we see the movie. It's how we experience. It's the experience of going to the theater that we we, we are so attached to. And, and you know, going on the other side of that, we're not we're not as we were saying, there's a lot worse people than us There we we even though we prefer the theater experience, we don't shun the home experience. We, no, we, we take in a lot of our movies through home, you know, because oh. as, as we know, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, we are home media guys too. We really like physical media. So we have to watch that at home, of course. And, and in a way it's, it's always for me personally, it's always been uh, the, the, the going to the cinema and watching movies at home. I've always been attached to one another. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because growing up as a kid, I didn't always, I didn't, uh, when I wasn't going to the cinema, I was watching movies at home on VHS tape. You know, I mentioned in our first episode, you know, I had a lot of VHS tapes growing up and that was how I consumed a lot of my movies. Um, it would, but it's almost like in tandem with the cinematic experience as well. So I got it from both, from both ways. And we're also, you know, We'll also get into how the, the home experience has evolved since we were kids. Oh, yeah. And even before so. I mean, growing up, you know, our TVs weren't big. You know, VHS tape quality isn't mm. great. But at the time, at the time, you loved it. Oh, you know it was, I mean? it was the best. Like, there, was I, nothing, I, there was nothing better, man. Nothing better <laughs> than, like, uh, like, Friday nights going to um, whatever rental movie place uh, you Blockbuster. had. Blockbuster. I had Blockbuster. I had Blockbuster later on. I had a place called Major Video that was basically, it's the same functioning place. Sure, as Blockbuster. sure. Yeah. There's but a, there's a, that Blockbuster ended up buying out that chain anyways. So they ended up becoming Blockbuster. Well, there was a few, I think a lot of us had a few major chains. We had Blockbuster, we had Hollywood Video. Um, there was also one near me called Family Video um, that I think actually s still has a, a couple. 
couple locations in my area. So we still have some video stores out there. They're just not in mass, you know, chains no, anymore. They are. They're more niche now than anything. And then especially back back then when you there was at one point there was a blockbuster. There there was about three or four blockbusters all within like twenty minutes of where they I were lived. like the Starbucks of the time. You know, yeah, like they, they, they were, were like, everywhere. Yeah, they were everywhere, and in. And it was quite a magical time growing up in the 90s. Uh, there's a lot of nostalgia for the 90s now. Uh, and and it's, a lot of it is centered around, uh, you know, the movie experience. Um, yeah. I, I remember, you know, going to, like I said, Blockbuster or Major Video, whatever it was at the time, you know, Friday nights, uh, you would get, you could, um, you would rent, you know, you rent the movies, you would, maybe you get pizza, maybe, you know, you go home, you walk, and you'd have a great, that, that'd be the, that'd be the start of your great weekend as a kid. Well, that, yeah, that'd be, yeah. That's the start of a great weekend now. I'm still doing that. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, if, if that, if that family video was closer to my house, I'd be going there still uh, all the time, but it, it's, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a ways. It's about 30 minute drive for me. So I don't, I don't get out there really often, but if I if I could, I would, man. I mean, it's going and browsing um, film instead of just browsing the internet, which is something we do all the time with everything else in our lives right now. Uh, I would prefer to go out somewhere and you know be around people and like maybe get into some conversations with people there at the video store, uh, or or even when we go out to buy movies. I wish that that was a, still a thing, but you know. That's yeah. that's becoming more and more scarce now as it yeah, is. And, and when I was a kid, I never really picked up on a lot of that stuff. You know, uh, when I remember going to, you know, when I was really little, you know, three, four, five, six years old, I could, you know, I it was at an age where I was still learning how to read and stuff like that. So yeah. I didn't understand. I didn't understand what genres were. I didn't understand, <laughs> you know, you know, the I understood the difference between you know, cartoon or animated versus live action, but I didn't understand the difference in like, you know, uh, MPAA ratings. Like what was the difference? Like why, you know, why is this movie PG-13 versus R or anything like that? And it's not that I like, I just started grabbing R-rated movies. Just like, you know, when you were walking the aisles of these video stores, there's just, there was just so much to take when you were very young. And, and when you were young, you were small. So you were always at like eye level to everything. So everything was kind of just like surrounding you as a kid. Yeah. It was and beautiful. It was, it was, it's a beautiful it, image in my head that I still kind of yeah, have. Yeah. And, and those VHS covers are were, were were great. I mean, some of the artwork for them is still stuff that people look up on the internet. And there's there's actually a lot of, you know, VHS collectors. People still collect VHS oh, yeah. tapes. Um, it's it's part of collecting a physical media, and it's not something I've ever really been into. Just because you know, I've always kind of evolved with the times, but I still have a lot, if not all, of my VHS tapes from when I was a kid. All the Disney stuff, all the live action stuff, you know, all the Batman. I've got the Indiana Jones, you know, stuff, all this stuff kind that of was stuff. important to you. You you still hold on to? Yeah, yeah and I still hold on to. Them. I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't. I'm not gonna watch them at any time. But they're almost there for nostalgic purposes. And it's not like they've not like they've really hold their value over time. Maybe yeah. some are truly valuable for some rarity, but most VHS tapes are you know worth pretty much nothing well, well i mean but but for us i mean shoot what, yeah. what are we going to do sell these things eventually no they're for us <laughs> yeah and what are you going to make like uh, a, a nickel per vhs tape it's yeah. not worth it you almost it's not worth it it's just not you're gonna have to wait many many years before that becomes really valuable maybe to somebody like oh my god that jurassic park vhs 
you know, it's like 2055 and that's <laughs> something from 1995, you know, like, or oh my. Yeah, sometimes you get stuff where like, if it's a rare misprint on the, on the, on the cover, or if it's, you know, yeah. if it's some type of rare edition from some type of foreign country that, you know, there's only like a limited amount of them, like they only made a hundred of these, you know, or something like that, like a limited run. Those are the stuff like that, that people like to collect. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think as we're kind of like we're, we're we're skirting around the, these different topics, like it, it all it, it's all encompassed in each other, especially for us, because, you know, the, the how we view movies is is just is I think it's distinct to everybody. And uh, we all have our rituals. We all have the things that we need to ha- to have the best experience possible for us. And for us, I mean, at least me. My 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 thing is is I if I can see it in theaters I'm seeing it in theaters that's the that's that's the first thing second thing I will watch it on Blu-ray I will I, I if I can't see it in theaters I will usually either buy the Blu-ray taking a chance on the movie because people have told me it's good because that's I'm crazy like that I'll buy something even if I haven't seen it or I I will wait till it comes to a streaming platform and check it out. How, is that kind of how what you do or yeah it, it's almost um not circumstance it's right now it, it my mood changes you know around but it's kind of similar to that where you know if i can see it in theater you know as early as i can it's something that, that i prioritize but it also is dependent on you know what type of movie what movie it is you know i'm yeah. not just going every week and just seeing whatever is new you know, I'm more picky and choosing as I'm getting as I've gotten older. You know, when I was when I was a little kid, or even in my teenage years, I would just go and see stuff and not and you know, and not care about quality or anything like that. Like I, I've seen some movies. I I told I think I told you this, Stephen. Uh, one year on my birthday, I saw Ang Lee's Hulk in theaters, <laughs> and and that that was like one of the ones where like you you years later you're like you regret that what and stuff. Hell did and, I just well, watch? And that movie came out what, 2003, four. I like must that. have been like sixteen. Yeah, yeah, like sixteen. Um, not not the best choice, but it's like when you're a kid, you don't care. You yeah, know? yeah. but th- not you're more picky and choosy. But but now there is there's so much to see, and there's such an abundance of ways to see it, and and there and you're and you're more aware of the of of what's out there when we were growing up there was really no there was no internet there was nothing like that to where we had there was not there was not a big enough inter- there was internet but there wasn't anything uh, vast enough to 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 be able to like no. get movies like we weren't able to like find movies on the internet or we obviously streaming services weren't a thing yet um, i'm just talking know. about just having the knowledge of knowing what's out there and what's coming yeah yeah I mean, when you're, I mean, I'm a little older than Steven by a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, the internet, I mean, the internet, they've been working on the internet for forever. But when it came to like, you know, broadband, you know, dial up, wireless internet, uh, you know, the the stuff we have now really didn't start until like the, I would say mid to late 90s, somewhere around there with AOL and, you know, that horrible sound that, 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 that it made. Yeah, yeah, you would like always that. get kicked. You would always get kicked off the internet when somebody made somebody called your house and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and even then, the early stages of the internet, it's not like it was a vast, you know, atmosphere of information. You just yeah, when 
random cool stuff that you never had done before. Like I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, like movie news now is everywhere and, and so vast and easy to find. And, and it's almost over, over, or like an over, over the top. It's everywhere. It's, it's an overabundance over of information, yeah. too much information, maybe, um, <laughs> you know, cause it's, I think that that's part of what made a lot of movies special. Not only because there was a lot less films coming out, in back back then but now we didn't have as much uh marketing and and things to to make sure that we know that movies yeah. are coming out now and, that, and that's kind of what i was mentioning is like we didn't like we weren't anticipating it for like months and months and months yeah. we were anticipating it for years we just kind of discovered it naturally more naturally than whenever than the first trailer came out in the front of another movie that's when we found out oh usually. yeah there was no yeah. there was the first time i used the internet um was was to like look up movie trailers and i thought it was amazing i was like oh my goodness i can just watch movie trailers now i don't i think i think one of the first things i downloaded from the internet was the trailer for uh fellowship of the ring i was you know what's funny i was about to say one of the first trailers i think i can remember seeing in theaters that i got super excited about was fellowship of the ring like I remember, like I, I can't remember what movie it was in front of, but I remember seeing the first trailer. And I was like, <gasps> just breath getting taken. Oh, I can't remember. The, oh, I can't it, remember the movie. It could have been like X. Now X Men was like two thousand. It, it may was, have been X Men. I mean, it came out two thousand. Fellowship came out. It might have been X Men. It might have been X Men. It was one of it them was, movies, you know, for early two thousand, like Spider Man or X Men, one of them early two thousand. Movies like maybe the Matrix. Now the Matrix was ninety nine. It was one of them big movies. I know I saw in theaters early two thousands that that Lord of the Rings showed up in the front of, and I was like, just, now Matrix Man, I, was the first movie that really blew me away as a kid. Talk, talk about an experience in the theater, Lord of the Rings. Mm. My, everybody. I mean, for Lord of the Rings is like I mentioned last week is my favorite movie of all time. But at the time, I I was uh, reading the books. I you know I, I read, read the Hobbit. I read I was reading the books. I was really into lord of the rings and then when when those movies came out it was talk about an experience in the theater it was unlike anything i had experienced before that and now, i had now, to go in the movies now tell me like, like give me now is that the the greatest give me an example your probably your favorite experience a movie like what movie is the favorite experience you've had in a theater and kind of give me give me some of the reasons why that that experience was so. There's a few, man. There's a few. Um, just when I was younger, definitely seeing Lord of the Rings a few times, and then, and and then they released. Didn't they release the extended cuts in the theater as well? I don't think I saw all of them. I may have just seen mm -hmm. the first one in theaters. Uh, but I watched Fellowship. I think twice. I watched Two Towers twice. And then I watched, I think, Return of the King three times. And and those were experiences. But also going back to what Steven said, when when the prequels hit, when the prequels hit, it was an insane time to be growing up in, be, being inundated with so much Star Wars stuff. Because right before the prequels had come out, they had come out with uh, the special editions. They re-released uh, all the original movies with their new quote cuts in theater so that was a big thing like i mentioned before that i had 
Uh, you know, I had the VHS set that they released like in 95, which was the original cut. So I was already a big Star Wars fan. So, that, so then these new movies come out and, and say what you will about them. There's so many things to say about them problematic and, and whatnot. Um, who knows if we'll do an episode about, about Star Wars eventually, probably. But, you know, when I, when the first one came out, Phantom Menace 99, I was 12 years old and I had never experienced a Star Wars movie in theaters uh, like that uh, a, a new one you know what i mean yeah, I, I think yeah. i saw a new hope in the theater when they re-released it but i had never experienced star wars like that for the first time uh, and there's something magical about that and one of the most unique times and the first time i've ever experienced this in the theater was for uh the second film was for attack of the clones which came out 2002 i believe yeah yeah and i remember we went to a theater and we had to wait in line. I had never waited in line to go into a movie before. And then we got in there and the place was packed, like full, full. And it was one of the first times I realized that, oh my goodness, this is a sold out show. And and there was the scene that showed up, you know, towards the, you know, in the third act where 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 Yoda fights Count Dooku. Yes. And when yes. Yoda walks in with his cane, the crowd went crazy bananas some people started standing up and cheering and going bananas and i and it was the first time i had ever experienced that in a theater i didn't know you could do that in a theater yeah. because you know like i said theater proper theater etiquette is you know you don't you yell sit and down and you and shut up. stuff <laughs> yeah you sit down and shut up basically but it was i had so i didn't know if that was right and all i could do was kind of laugh at it because i was like uh, yeah like what is that guy doing you? yeah why is that guy standing <laughs> up and going crazy <laughs> Uh, it's, it's stuff like that. Um, and as I've gotten older, it's been more emotionally, uh, emotional stuff, yeah. you know, like crying in certain movies and things like that. Like, you know, I, I cried at the end of me and Earl and the dying girl in the theater. Um, most recently I teared up while watching, you know, the Mr. Rogers documentary, um, won't you be my neighbor? Um, yeah. it was one, a few years ago when interstellar came out, I saw it twice in the theater and it was the second time I saw it. And for some reason, I got really emotional while watching a certain scene. There's the, um, towards, not even the third act, but to get towards the end of the movie, I guess. There's the the famous docking scene where the the station that they have to dock with is is just been like, there's been an explosion on it and it's just spinning crazily. Yeah. It's just spiraling. And and the, the Hans Zimmer score is just massively loud in the theater. And and then there's one shot, there's one master shot of the the ship that Matt McConaughey is approaching, is piloting and going toward it, the ship, the dock. And then in the background, I believe there's a planet, or the, I think the background is the uh, the wormhole or something. Yeah, yeah, black hole. And that shot was so emotionally impactful for me because I couldn't quite comprehend in my mind how someone could make a movie like this you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah i felt like i was witnessing a movie being being made on on a super masterful level by a master filmmaker you know what yeah, i mean yeah. i got overwhelmed just in that fact because i'm into a lot of the technicalities of filmmaking that seeing the way films come together seeing the way that they are made uh elicit a very emotional uh response for me sometimes oh yeah definitely man i was i was gonna say like you know, I was going to give a couple examples, one more like what you were talking about, more kind of a, um, uh, you know, a mainstream choice. Like a, like a, for me, it was The Dark Knight. Um, 
uh, another Christopher Nolan film. Uh, I, I, I used to work at a theater, you know, like I said, I used to work at a theater and we, we, we did every once in a while, we would do a midnight show for uh, certain releases. And of course the dark Knight was coming up. Uh, it was, you know, really being hyped, uh, especially after, uh, of course, Heath Ledger's death. And, uh, you know, everybody's really hyped for it. I actually did some video. You can find it out there. It's on YouTube somewhere of me like video in the night, asking people questions about what they're excited about and everything. And, you know, I didn't get to spend a lot of time. This is what's weird about this is I'd already seen the film. Um, we, we got a chance to watch it before the, the audience did. And uh, so I knew, I knew how good it, I knew, I knew, uh, I knew how good it was. I was excited for everybody else to see it. So me, I went into the theater cause I wanted to have some of that experience of, what the theater was going to react. You know, you know, me stepping into the theater every once in a while for movies that I know I really love. You, you like to see what the audience is going to do and be, and be present in it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you get caught up in something. You don't really realize what's going on. Me, I could stand in the back of the, the auditorium and watch everybody get really excited, like knowing it's about to happen. And it was, it's just great. It was, you know, sp specifically in the dark night when uh, Batman's chasing the Joker on his motorcycle and you know joker's trying to he's in the big tractor trailer and then batman flips flips the tractor trailer and batman you know rep hits the side of a building and flips around people went nuts like it just scream and just clap and just anytime there's a moment like that in a film and you're in the theater to to be with it like you feel like you're actually having that communal experience people talk about and that you're all there for the same thing and that you're not there to look on your cell phone or your you know, and that's what that's the things that really, I think, bring down the theater experience for people today. You know, people talk about how the, it ain't worth going to the theater anymore because and, and we we understand that, you know, the prices are, are, are getting higher and higher. And that's what's deterring a lot of people and making their decision to stay home. But also for a lot of people, it's uh, it's just people are ignorant. People don't have any like empathy for anybody else's experience at the theater. We all pay money to go see a movie. How about we watch the movie? Um, and I, and I think, you know, culminating their th our talk about theater experience. I think that that's, you know, where we can kind of lead into the opposite side of the theater experience, which is people are going or leaving the, or talking about leaving theater experience behind and staying at home to watch more things, on Netflix and streaming. So, so let's talk about like how we feel about our, our, the streaming services place in our viewing, like how, why, how we use it. Like uh, I know for me personally, like I said earlier, I use it as almost a backup. You know, it's not my first thing that I go to, to watch films for the first time. It's usually the third like place, but I do, I use streaming services mostly for TV Cause there's, you know, it's great to binge something, you know, stuff like that. But I just, you know, there's a lot of technical things that I think you can probably talk about better that kind of makes streaming not as one of the reasons why streaming isn't our first place we go, because quality wise, you don't always get the best quality watching something through strings or, or digital or. Yeah. There's a lot of tech stuff going, going into, I mean, streaming is relatively new and they're constantly, um, you know, developing it, they're constantly changing it, modifying it, you know, you know, with any, with any relatively new technology, that always happens. That happens in physical media, that happens on streaming, yeah. that happens with, with, you know, other 
uh, you know, a, a um, not genres, but other 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 mediums. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah. music or whatnot. There's always stuff changing, and streaming is 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 great. I I would say streaming is great for many things. Um, like Steven said, where streaming is really, uh, I would say, at its strength is the television market. It has pretty much taken over the television market when it comes to when it comes to how people consume tv shows both yeah. both both old and new and it's gotten to the point where we see all of these streaming platforms are developing their own television sh- series um because there's such a market for it people want it you know if people didn't want it they would they, they wouldn't do it and they're making you know lots of lots of money with it these companies are very big like netflix hulu amazon those are some of the bigger ones that are really developing a lot of their own original stuff and there's a lot of companies getting into the game now as well that are doing their own type of stuff i mean uh cbs is doing their own stuff uh, with when it comes to their own original program when it comes to star trek um warner brothers just 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 started their own um, DC uh, comic streaming service where it's got all of all of their DC stuff from there. Where it's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, all their animated series that they've been doing for so long. They're they're incorporating comic books as well. Um, and and streaming is great in that respect because it's easily accessible and it's very affordable. For the oh, most yeah. part, it's very affordable. It's, it's definitely you more know. affordable than buying a cable package. You know, from yeah, you know, a yeah. lot of people. A lot of people are cutting, you know, call, you know, call, cutting the cord when it comes to cable because all you really need for streaming services is you need internet access, which you can buy from your cable company anyway. Um, and of course, you need the you need the tech in order to, you know, stream it. You need, you know, a laptop, a tablet, you know, smart televisions. You can stream things from on your on your smartphones now, your iPhones, Samsungs you know, Google phones, whatever, you can watch TV shows there. When it comes to movies, um, for me, movies, I always like to experience on on a larger screen. You know sure. what I mean? I always felt like movies are, you know, quote unquote, cinematic for a reason. They're meant to be experienced on a large screen. That is preferable to me. But if I have to do it on a smaller screen, like at home, I mean, I will consume movies any way I can. I love movies so much that I'll watch them no matter what. I mean, I'm subscribed to a bunch of, uh, you know, digital services. I, you know, I have Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon. I've got uh, Filmstruck, which is which is a great service. Uh, I'm probably going to subscribe to their DC service soon. Um, there's there's other and there's also other places. There's also other digital formats for movies. Um, every time you buy. A, a Blu-ray or a DVD, chances are it comes with a digital copy of that movie, and you can store it on on your on your computer. You can store it in the cloud. You can store it on. There are special sites where you can redeem where you could store it on, um, whether it's Voodoo or whatever site you, whatever site you use. I mean, iTunes used to do it for a while. I remember when it first started coming out a few years ago. You know, you always get like an iTunes redeem code that you would go to your iTunes yeah. and do. Um, I've never been into that one because because I have the physical copy and chances are I'm going to watch that physical copy, you know, uh, at home on my on my, you know, on my television with the surround sound and all that stuff. So I've never had a need for the digital copies of movies, but I know that there are people who only collect digital copies of movies and you can now buy digital copies of movies uh 
you can buy dig uh, digital versions of movies, you can rent digital versions of movies and own them yourself. You know what I mean? The, the world of physical media, I think, is dwindling in that respect because, it, because it's, it's a matter of several things. It's a matter of price, convenience, like we've said. It's much easier to get it. Sometimes the digital versions of movies are cheaper. Um, and, and, and when it comes to what Steven was mentioning, when it means, when it means overall quality, I think that's based on who you are as, a, as, you know, as a viewer, as a person, as a fan, you know, Steven and I like to consume our movies at home in the best quality possible, you know, with large screen televisions, um, with, on Blu-ray players or 4k players, um, and, and getting that high quality sound and high quality video some people just don't care some people just want yeah, to watch they just want to consume things they just want to they consume wanna, things. yeah they just I mean, want to consume it the easiest fastest and way they don't care about you know the the the, the quality it, it's right. if, it look, if it looks good enough to them they're fine which is yeah. okay and that's fine and that's like. fine but for me you know i think that it i i, I liked and people don't like this term that I, when i say it that I, I, I call some of this like the fast food of movie consumption it's just about can like you said convenience over quality you know it's the mcdonald's of, of of watching movies and tv i mean it's and that's fine i mean if that's what you like that's what you like it but you know for me it's not just and it's and getting into physical media a little bit it's not just about how we how we like to view it but it's that we own it is that we, you know when we buy stuff that's physical media we own it it's ours nobody can take it from us but when you when you buy a digital movie on iTunes or or whatever Vudu, whatever you're going to use, you, you don't have that thing. It's not there. I'm sorry. It's just it's just in the cloud somewhere. It's how can you feel secure having? I just don't understand it. How can anybody collect movies just digitally? It's 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 crazy to me. I mean. Can you make me? Can you make me understand this, Andrew? Yeah, I, what is interesting <laughs> is I, I see I see this happen a lot, where somebody will buy the physical form, uh, take the digital copy, the digital version of the movie, you know, download it, and then sell the physical, sell sell the, the Blu-ray release. Nuts. And and it's like I, it's kind of a smart thing to do because in a way it's the best of both worlds. You get the movie, but you also get to like recoup some money in return. I mean, sure, if you're a hustler like that and you care about regaining <laughs> oh. money every time you go out and buy, like, sure. But I mean, to me, I just, that's, I, shoot, I'll sell my digital copies. Why not? But they, I mean, they're, I use them as backups. I keep them and I, and I use them on my Voodoo. I, I upload them to my Voodoo's as backups just in case for some reason my hardware doesn't work. And, and that's what I trust more. And that's what it comes down to for me is, is I think that it is convenient as, streaming services can be uh for things like that uh you, you're relying on something that can a lot of times you know easily not work for you whether it's your yeah. internet yeah. goes out or you know th them are things that you know I mean, and of course power can go out too and you don't watch anything but internet right. it's not that's not as that's not something that happens as often as something like your internet connection goes bad and you start to get the pixelation and you get the, you know, uh, that's, that stuff that happens to a lot of people, you that know, stuff that bothers me because like I said, I am, you know, a, a, you know, a pixel quality, audio quality aficionado. So, you know, when, if your internet connection isn't as good, um, you're not going to get that, that type of quality. You're not going to get the best quality. And like and like I said, it all depends on who you are. But another thing with with streaming media that has 
that is kind of a positive. But actually, actually, it's a big positive. Is people are exposed. Uh, the, the, uh, how should I say this? There are movies available now to the masses that weren't available before. Yeah, and oh, yeah. I mean they... that, and, I, and I'm more meaning that to older films, older movies. This is going to be a bit of a history diatribe, but like the the whole media format in any form really has only been around since the 1970s. Everything before that, there was really no home media market at all. And even in the early days, you know, we had VHS and Betamax were the two major, you know, home media formats, you know, in the 1970s. Betamax, I, Betamax, um, I think actually just, they just finished, like, they just, Betamax just ended. VHS died around 2000, the mid 2000s, I think 2008 may have been like a cutoff date for VHS. But, uh, but before that, there was nothing. And even then, the stuff that was available was only, you know, a, a certain amount. You know what I mean? Like, it was only yeah. that you couldn't get, like, high-quality versions of, you know, older classic niche movies, like foreign movies. To get them in, like, a VHS form or even a Laserdisc form were really, really tough. And that's when you get into kind of the diversification of of the home media market when it comes to a lot of companies, you know, latching onto it and getting in, getting in that game. You know, nowadays there's a lot of studio companies that put out a lot of movies on in, in the home media market. You always have the major ones like Warner brothers, Paramount, Sony, universal Fox. Those are typically the major ones, but then you have more, more niche ones that are kind of filling in all of those, those gaps yeah. of all those movies that weren't available before. And that's when you get like the criterion collection. That's when you get like olive films. That's when you get arrow um, video, you know, arrow video, you get Kino Lorber, you get all of these studio these, canal. You know. Studio Canal and Eureka and all these kind of companies that 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 are filling in the gaps and but but what I'm trying to say is that um, even though like the the whole media market is much larger now than ever before, uh, streaming has st- streaming is still able to open up market open up avenues into something that wasn't available before and that, I mean that like specifically for the older movies and specifically for movies that are from the classic era of like Hollywood and old foreign movies are available to stream now and they were never available at all before you know what I mean like people are discovering movies now that they've never discovered before simply because you didn't know they existed you know what I mean that's what I really bring into a you know streaming service like Filmstruck where Filmstruck is kind of a collaboration of Turner Classic Movies as well as the Criterion Collection. And they have movies on there that are some of the all-time greats, but also movies on there that that are just so so niche that you never were aware that they were around. So streaming service has opened up that avenue, and it's also kind of gone in tandem with the physical media world. And the physical media world for me and Steven has been something that's been near and dear to our hearts probably for a very long time. And I kind of want to get into like, where did it all start for, for you? I know for me, I've mentioned numerous times that it started with VHS tapes in the nineties being bought by family members and parents and stuff like that. But where did it start for you? Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, my parents had a, had a decent VHS collection. Uh, you know, I was watching movies like roadhouse, um, 
you know, uh, <laughs> movies I shouldn't have been probably watching at that age, but they had them and I watched them. Coming to America was a big one for me. Uh, still is. I still love that movie. And, uh, you know, when it came to collecting, I didn't really, I don't know. I didn't really think about it too much, uh, early on. You know, I didn't think about, I didn't, I didn't buy movies to be a collector at first. I bought them because I loved them. Um, and, and then of course that's still what it is today, but back when, you know, it didn't really start to catch on until of course I got a job. I got, when I got my first job, uh, working at the movie theater, um, not only did that start to, to amplify my love of film in general, but I started to make money so then I could go out and buy whatever I wanted. Um, and, and, and at first it was just, you know, going to the best buy or going to Walmart or, or whatever I could, wherever I could buy movies. And, and at the time DVD was the thing. Yeah. I had bought all these DVDs and my DVDs, uh, you know, I, I got pretty good, good amount of DVD. I think I got up to maybe close to a thousand DVDs to a, to, to a point. And then Blu-ray started coming around. And, you know, by then I've gotten a more substantial job, uh, you know, making a little more money. And, uh, you know, and another th I started to discover another thing, and that's Amazon. And this is where it got dangerous. You know, when you discover Amazon. Oh, yeah. Inter the Internet is a dangerous <laughs> place for, for shoppers. Yeah. Um, in any format. And, and, and yeah, when I, when I started to use Amazon, that's when it, it, my buying habits got really out of control. And then it even got even worse when I, you know, over the last maybe two years, when I really started getting into these b boutique labels that uh, Andrew was talking about, the Criterion Collection, uh, you know, Arrow Video, have now consumed a lot of my buying and and not just the, them them labels, but just going after uh, foreign cinema and classic cinema, and you know to get them films, a lot of times you got to spend a little bit more. But you know, for us, it's not just about collecting; it's about it's it's almost a sense of pride. I would say for us, we we we're, we're gathering these films. It's our library. You know, we have these things. And when we when we can not only can we see them, but we have them and they're always on hand. And it's it's a sense of pride, I think. I, I don't know about you. Is that is that how you feel sometimes? Yeah. too? Or? Oh, my God. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. 100 yeah. percent. Like <laughs> I don't have many things to be uh, prideful about or proud about. But my movie collection is one of them. And it's and it is a big investment. Like Stephen was saying, people spend lots and lots of monies on things they like to collect. Uh, you know, collecting has always been a hobby for people for a very long time. I remember when I was a kid, my dad, you know, collected baseball cards. You know, some people collect comic books. Like, I collect comic books. Um, there are super-duper collectors of comic books. Those That's an expensive, big market. Uh, movies, people collect uh, music, vinyl records, uh, all kind of stuff. Like, people collect action figures, you know, and you, and you And you are a little bit... You're a little bit you're a little bit broader than I am. See me, I, my 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 real only vice is movies. But you 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 collect books, film books, and yeah, I and, do collect. And, and, yeah, and, I do and collect comic books and and everything. And a lot of it is it's very interesting that you mentioned that because a lot of it is goes into when I was when I was younger. I didn't collect anything, yeah. and I always wanted to. So when I got older is when I started really, you know, like you said, when you become older, you you start getting your own money, you start making your own decisions, you start buying your own stuff. So you uh, you 
you get into things you like. You know, I get, you know, I always wanted, I always wanted to collect something I liked. Like I always, when I was a kid, I always wanted to collect comic books and I never did. So I only started collecting a couple of years ago. Um, I, I had, like I said, I had a lot of VHS tapes when I was a kid, but I never bought any of them myself. They were pretty much all bought for me because, you know, I was a little kid, didn't have any ways to get any money. Yeah. Um, and, and I started collecting um, on my own probably around 2006 2007 when i had started college um and you know and i that's when i started going to um like fye best buy uh places like that uh and started just going through the movies and that was also a part a time where i started to become more um serious about movies in the sense like in the sense like oh like movies are more than just entertainment you know they're 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 actually they're actually pieces they're works of art there's you know there's different qualities of them like in some movies the writing is better some movies the acting's better all this kind of stuff i started i started you know recognizing actors and actresses you know uh familiarizing myself with them and noticing you know what movies they're in what you know what their filmography is you know who's that director what's that director you know these are all names i had heard of but i never like delved into them like i knew who steven spielberg was i knew who george lucas was because those were the the movies i consumed when i was a kid you know robert zemeckis being another one but you know getting older you know i discovered um you know, people like Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith, Robert Rodriguez, uh, all of those types of people. And that's when I started really collecting was 07, where I started buying like Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And I started I started buying, you know, uh, Pulp Fiction and Clerks and, you know, Mall Rats and all those types of movies. And it wasn't until a few years later, um, around 2011, no, no, 2009 was when I started collecting Blu-rays. Because that's when Blu-rays had finally become more mainstream. Um, if anyone's curious about the history of this of this stuff, uh, VHS was pretty much, you know, from, like I said, 70s to the 2000s. DVDs officially launched in the United States, uh, specifically in 1997, and it's still alive today. You can still buy DVDs today. They're they're much cheaper than when they were when they first launched. Uh, Blu-rays, I believe, officially came out. Um, I want to say 2006 is when Blu-rays first came out. Yes, Blu-rays first came out, and they're still around today. Uh, 4Ks, UHDs are you know a brand new format that that just started up. I don't know three years or so ago. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I bought like like Stephen said, I started out buying DVDs, lots of DVDs. I started buying TV on DVD. I really got into that buying TV mm, shows because yeah. at the time there was no. There were no streaming services. There was the only way you could watch TV shows was when they aired on TV, or if you bought, um, if you bought them on VHS tape. I remember, I remember going to like uh, certain places that were selling them on VHS tape, and I was always, and I always wanted them. You know what I mean? And then it wasn't <laughs> until DVD came out that it was not that it was much more affordable, but like you could buy a whole season of a show all at once instead of having to buy like one vhs tape that would only have like three episodes of something oh you yeah and, then, I mean? and that plays into how streaming services have become so popular is that they don't just give it to you week by week they give you the whole thing right there for you you know like so you can yeah. consume it quickly yeah and, and, and like i said it's it was not only newer shows but it was older stuff that i had watched when i was a kid there were a lot of uh 
animated series that I started collecting around, uh, you know, around that time. Like I started collecting like, you know, stuff I watched when I was a kid, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, uh, things like He-Man and, you know, uh, Thundercats and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I started collecting all those animated shows. And then of course I started collecting like things like Family Guy and South Park and all that kind of stuff. Uh, when it came to live action shows, the first box set I ever bought of a TV show I think I bought them both together. Actually, was Smallville season one mm. and Smallville season two. Yes, I, I, two I, I have every season of Smallville on. I got them all. I got them all. Yeah. I, got all I, the, I got the first five seasons on DVD, and then the rest on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, I wonder when that's going to become a become a set. Probably never. Well, Blu-ray. I know they got a DVD set. With they got a DVD Blu-ray. set, but they don't have a Blu-ray set. I will. I would yeah. love for them to re-release those early seasons on Blu-ray, but who knows if that will ever happen? But I started buying that. Um, then I started buying like, um, I remember Ver- Veronica Mars was a show I started watching at that time. Well, actually, it had just ended, so I bought the DVDs and I started watching it from them. I remember at the time I bought the first season of Supernatural was was yeah. around around that time. I mean, it, yeah, it, it was, we can go we can go down a rabbit hole of, of oh, all and that. and if you yeah. want to know pricing wise, oh god, that then wasn't cheap, man. I. I was like, I was just saying the first season of Supernatural, I bought for like $50. Yeah, $50 was buy, the average. Yeah. Which is something you can buy now for like, you can buy the Blu-ray now probably for around 15 around yeah. there. That's how much the market has depreciated when it comes to TV on to home the home market for TV shows because yeah. of the streaming services. But, and then after like 2009, I started buying Blu-rays. And the first couple of Blu-rays I bought were uh, Watchmen, was like the first blu-ray new release i bought that i bought like the batman begins came out around that time uh they had re-released it of course for for blue for the blu-ray format uh blu-ray had just come out of their early stages of having to battle with hd dvd there was a whole format war in the late 2000s um between blu-ray and hd dvd and which one was going to be the dominant home format for hd cinema yeah and blu-ray ended up winning and like certain companies were taking sides like um like warner brothers and like universal and like toshiba were on hd dvd but sony and like a couple of the other studios were on blu-ray it was a very interesting Mm. thing that i kind of i was in the middle of at the time but i wasn't quite aware of (laughs) <laughs> where's the movie and, for that where's that movie you need that movie that? i i really wish they would make that movie <laughs> so and then and then pretty much since then i've been i was collecting blu-rays up until now when i'm still buying blu-rays but it wasn't until 2011 was when it was the time when i started buying uh from boutique labels like steven was like steven said that's when i started buying criterion collection movies it was 2011 was the first time i went to the Barnes and Noble 50% off sale. It was July 2011. And the first two things I bought were uh, the Thin Red Line and the Darjeeling Limited were the first two like nice. I bought at that sale. A few months earlier, Amazon had a, a sale and I bought a bunch of random things. I had no idea what any of these movies were. All I know is that they were that they were well known. Like I bought like the box, the Blu-ray box set of uh Yo Jimbo and Sanjuro. I bought um what else did I buy? Oh, I bought um, uh, 
Wings of Desire, and I bought a, yeah. bu- a bunch of stuff, bunch of films I hadn't, bunch of films that were all foreign films that I had no idea what they were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how I buy Criterion's mostly is is just go in, uh, read, read, you know, do a little research on certain ones and just take a chance on them because Criterion doesn't put movies in their in their collection unless there's some importance to them, and mm-hmm. and it, even if you don't love the movie, there's you know there's gonna you're gonna have a film in your collection that is is got importance at least. Yeah, and, and then. You know, yeah, and yeah, of course. They they're they're more they were more selective back then. Now they're a little more open. I mean, we could do a whole episode about Well, I was going to say we, we should do, we should do an episode yeah. on, on Criterion our Criterion collections, you know, as a separate thing, but Yeah, I'll um, just yeah, I'm just saying broad things like it, you know, it's a boutique label that typically does foreign films, but it also does cult movies yeah. and kind of like lesser known movies. They like to do first movies of bigger name directors. Yeah. I know they've done a lot of those. Um, they they also do like entire filmographies of certain indie directors, like um, uh, I'm blanking on his name now. Um, the uh, Darjeeling Limited. Um, oh, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. I almost said Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, he's like, he's no, definitely got to no, deal with didn't. he's got to <laughs> deal with Criterion to to release all his films basically. Yeah, and yeah, the same with certain, uh, certain certain like uh, Oliver Assayas has got to deal with them. Yeah, definitely. Like. I mean, and and they're putting out more mainstream stuff now than they've ever done before. Criterion Collection has, I think, grown massively in popularity. Since I started collecting, I was gonna, I was gonna say the kind of the, you know, the the shifting of home media and streaming is almost gonna work in the benefit of something like Criterion, where certain companies are not gonna re-release certain movies anymore. So maybe Criterion can swoop in and be like, hey, let's get a Princess Bride, which they're gonna release, or maybe down the line we'll get something back like Seven, or something like that can be brought back in on a Blu-ray release. But e- even though they're more popular. That you know, these certain companies are not really wanting to do home media releases anymore because people ain't buying them anymore. So yeah, Criterion can be the avenue, you know. Yeah, and and with and with the physical media, like from a company like that, or even I mean, we can go through a whole thing of yeah, dude, we're we're gonna go down it. (laughs) I'm not gonna go down it. I'll just say this. I'll sum that. I'll sum it up like this: physical media is 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 my preference over streaming. Because you do get better quality, but the quality uh, is is fluctuates within physical media. Sure, like like we said, like Criterion Collection typically puts out great transfers and great and great restorations and great packages and everything. And you have other companies within the physical media realm which don't do that type of yeah. stuff at all. And, and then very lazy, you know what I mean? And then there's the supplements too. You know, special yeah. features are a big deal to guys like us where we like to know more about the makings of the film and, and listen to commentaries. Things like that are, are things that we love to – to. And it, that's what we're also investing in when we buy these yeah. these. And these I'm meaning more like, like just like audio-video quality – stuff i'm not even talking like extras packages where you know where talk about extras is something that a lot of mainstream studios are not doing anymore yeah um and what is interesting about streaming is sometimes you can get extras on streaming sometimes you can't and a lot of uh, and a lot of it is you know some people don't care about the extras at all they don't care about the making of or the commentaries or anything like that um and what is interesting is that streaming quality i think fluctuates as well the yeah, same yeah. thing as physical media, where it all depends on the source. It depends yeah. on where you're getting it from. It depends on the quality of source that they are, that, that the company that you're watching it on is is giving to what you. What your internet provider is. Yeah. And the internet yeah. provider as well. That's the one thing about streaming I 
I, I have a I have a big misnomer about is when it says like HD quality or, or something like that, it is quote unquote HD, but it's not as good as you will get uh side by side with a physical media copy. Like you, if you watch a movie on streaming and you watch that same movie with the in a physical in a physical form like on a Blu-ray, chances are the Blu-ray is going to look better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I mean, just I don't want to go on a huge tangent, but um, there is a new home media format now that is that is starting to build up steam, and that is the UHD 4K format, where it's something now where certain streaming companies are streaming in 4K. They're streaming in UHD. They're streaming in HDR as well, which is high dynamic range, which basically boosts the the overall video quality of what you're watching. Um, it's it's something that's very new, so I I don't know uh, too much about it. All I know is that it's becoming more affordable and it's becoming more available, and it's yeah. just the next step in the in the in the you know video format. You know, it, it, there's a there's a who knows if it's going to go to another level later on because, like we've said, physical media I think is is dwindling, but I don't think it's dire right now. Well, I mean, I was going to say to, to kind of put a cap on this episode, you know, where, you know, with all these shifting and turning, uh, you know, with, you know, with theater, going to the theater and, and buying physical media and things, how do you, th what do you think are some of the negative and positives of what the future could be maybe for um, how, how this stuff's going to turn out? I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that I think things have to evolve, but it doesn't mean they have to go away. Right. I think I have a few hypotheses about the whole, uh, you know, where we're going with uh, media consumption in the future. I think one, this digital stuff's not going anywhere. It's just going to become more, more apparent and it's going to be adopted by, by uh, more and more people. It's going to be adopted by younger generations because, you know, the young kids today are watching all their stuff on, on, you know, tablets and things like that and streaming services. Uh, so when they grow up, they're just going to continue doing the same thing, yeah. um, you know, kind of just continue that habit. So the younger generations are learning about streaming more than they're learning about physical media. Um, and also when it comes to the theater experience, I don't know if theaters are going to be around the way they are today in, let's say, 10 or 20 years. Uh, I think it's going I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere anywhere anytime soon because they're still making lots and lots of money. The yeah. box office receipts are still massive. And, 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 you know, we're talking like billions of dollars massive. So I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. What you're maybe going to see is is smaller audiences, but the prices are going to keep going up. That's well, the yeah, one big problem. Yeah, the prices, the prices are going to keep going. The theaters are big. And, and, and you know, the, I think that there is also another conversation for a whole other episode about the state of uh, the types of movies that Hollywood and, and film, you know, the types of films that are coming out and, and how they're spending so much money on these certain films and why are they putting so much money into one movie? And, you know, we can get into a whole big conversation in another episode about yeah. that, but, just but um, with just sticking with physical versus, you know, digital. What, uh, I've said this to Steven many, many times. Um, the first physical format, I think that's going to go away officially eventually is going to be the TV, uh, the TV series uh, at home market, the physical media form, like the DVDs, yeah, yeah. the Blu-rays. I think those are good. If 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 
streaming is going to kill one aspect of physical media, I think it's going to kill that aspect just because I said streaming pretty much owns TV now. Yeah, that and just and if and if anything, it'll be very limited. Like it will be, you ain't gonna get mass production on TV series at all. Like it, physical media wise, like it's as it is. Most of the stuff that come, most of the stuff that 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 is just streaming based that are you know it's being like a netflix original series or stuff like that they release you know the blu-rays or the dvds but i don't see people clamoring to get them no you know what i mean i it's something one those are never going to go away on netflix some tv series may go away some movies may go away that's another aspect of streaming that is is problematic is that there is a revolving door in terms of availability of movies and TVs on certain streaming formats. You know, Netflix is always shuffling things out in and out. You know, Hulu's the same way, Amazon's the same way. Um, uh, and, and it's going to be interesting if those become more permanent over time, because then it, it's problematic for people like us who like yeah. that that permanence. And that's where the physical media comes in. Like Steven said, you own it, it's permanent. It's yeah. there on the shelf forever. And, and chances are it'll last forever depending on you know de- the degradation of the, the 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 physical you know capabilities of the disc or whatever yeah because well i these, mean these do these these do these do wear out over time they the do discs. and they they can and and but but with that you know our lifetime we only live so long so as long as it lasts my lifetime i'm good <laughs> yeah yeah i hear you and you can and hopefully we could always replace what we need but that is um, true. There's always going to be the, the replacements of it. You know, I still have, you know, VHS tapes from, you know, 25, 30 years ago. And they, they, I'm pretty sure I put them in a VCR. They would probably still work. Yeah. And, yeah. and VCR and, and tape, you know, tape isn't the most reliable format when it comes to no. longevity. I mean, I remember the, putting those things in, in when you're a kid and you get the tracking and all the snow yeah. and all that stuff. Oh, that's the one thing I don't miss about the old mm. format, the VHS and stuff like that is all of those physical anomalies wow, and you know like the, the juddering and all that stuff. But, but uh, that's but, the one thing I like about the new stuff. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, but you know, once again kind of going back to when I was talking about being able to you know work on film at the theater, you know, it was it's cool to to say that we we live through that, you know. And, and and it makes what we have now that much more exciting that we have such great we're getting films in such great quality now like for instance me and you gushed about the release of the apartment on arrow video that movie night yeah. is a movie coming out from the 1960s that looks like it was made yesterday like oh, that's yeah. how good the restoration is um and so it's an exciting time uh, even we could though- talk about we could talk about that's another episode. We talk about restoration. <laughs> film restoration. We're, we're giving you a lot of teases. <laughs> so, for I, could be here, I could be here for hours talking about film restoration. We've given you a lot of teases for upcoming episodes here. If you listen to this, you're getting like like three or four or five other episodes that we're going to do oh, eventually. But I yeah, think this is a, I, I think this is a good cap on episode. I think yeah. I think we talked a lot about uh, all this, you know, about physical versus digital and and going to the theater versus staying at home. And you know, there's good and bad things about each. But uh, ultimately, you know. I think as long as people are consuming some of this stuff and can take it in and be, you know, we can have conversations about film. That's what's most important to me because, you know, if I didn't have somebody to talk to, if I didn't have you to talk to, Andrew, uh, I might go crazy if I just had all these ideas in my head to myself. Um, Oh, yeah, I I hear you. It's as long as people are just continuing to watch movies 
um, I think we're going to be okay. Like movies aren't going anywhere. No, <laughs> they're not going anywhere at there all. are distractions from all the craziness of the world. That is um, true. And uh, you know, sometimes we need to wake up and stop watching the movies for a second, but no, go right back to the movies. Cause they're, they're beautiful. Um, if, if I could watch, <laughs> if I could, if there was a way for me to be able to like, uh, like, like go into like a, like a super sleep, a hibernation, you know, yeah. like, a, like a sleep, like, um, like, like I could sleep for, you know, like a half an hour or an hour and then uh, I would be perfectly refreshed. And then I could just continue to watch movies for like, yeah. Like so an, like a you know, super like power. Like a twenty-three hour cycle. Yeah, you just had a superpower nap, you know, and and yeah, like, it, like it like would last you. It's like those things you see in sci-fi movies where people are going on long trips into like outer space, yeah. and they and they they get they put in those tubes or whatever, and they they get knocked out Cryo with like sleeping ga- sleeping yeah. gas and stuff like that. Yeah, it, much, it, so much to watch, so little time. Yeah, dude, we we own stuff we haven't even watched yet. It's 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 kind of ridiculous, but I think that's a good cap on this episode. Um. Thanks everybody for listening. You can find this uh, on iTunes or Podbean. I'll probably have it on. I have a version on YouTube also. Um, Andrew, uh, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings. Uh, you can find Instagram. Uh, Twitter, like I said last episode, I don't use it, but you can find me at Cinema Discovery Project. Uh, I'm mostly using Instagram, though. I post a lot of the stuff I buy and and, and antics I'm up to. But like I said, once again, you can find this episode on iTunes, Podbean. Uh, it'll be on YouTube, Cinema Discovery Project. And that's going to be it for this episode. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. 